Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. That tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're out here stacking pennies. Hey guys, it is Corey the Joy with Stacking Pennies. Um, after a, I don't, I mean, I think it was a good weekend overall here with my buddies. Ice Cold Blue Mountain takes Jonathan Merriman. How you doing? Got something for you. Here you go. What do you got? Three pennies. Three, Three pennies. They're all they're all tails up. That's bad omen. I, I want you to take them back. <laughs> and as well as my friend, Mr. Chuck Bush. Hello. And Janie, what's your last name? Buford? Buford. Buford. Buford T. Justice. I feel like we've never given her a shout out. So shout out to you, Janie, in the back. Unsung heroes of the show. On the ones and twos. On the ones and twos. On the old X's and O's. Been in the beats. Speaking of X's and O's. Speaking of X's and O's. We ran a few plays on the front stretch. We did. You know, I feel like it's never a good thing when the highlight of your weekend is throwing a football on the front stretch. The Uncle Rico Twitter stuff is gold. Dude. That that video was good. I wish he used the other one, like when me slinging that thing down the front stretch, like caught him, you know. And Chuck mentioned it on the group chat. I've never thrown a football to a NFL wide receiver, but I hit him in stride, oh, full sprint. Cam Newton can't even hit a receiver. And look, all Dale said was motion. like, "Oh, that's actually pretty good." And then they just kept going. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like uh, pretty good. Look, he dropped it in. The guys dropped in the booth. The guys in the, in the booth are race car drivers. They're not football analysts. So like, oh, it's football. All right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because like we, I, for, I don't even know the guy's last name. I oh, I do know his last name. I can't pronounce it. It was like Orlevsky or something. Gunner Orlevsky. That I completely butchered his last Orlevsky. name. Orlevsky. Yeah, I don't want to. They a, also just called him Gunner on the broadcast. Yeah. Fair enough. Hey, there's Gunner. <laughs> the guy <laughs> That's was what a, Junior did. Is like, he's a, hey, it's Gunner. He's a stud. Um, all pro. Uh, punt returner for the New England Patriots. So it was cool just to chop it up with him. I, so it actually was all happenstance. So Bubba tweeted, "Need I need a football, right? Because it was kind of the same situation as Michigan where it was dry, a little bit of mist, dread drives are going, we're 45 minutes down, we got to keep stay a little warm. Let's just chuck the old pigskin into the crowd, shall we? Well, I was walking out to like – my hauler and the the social media guy from Nash, uh, New New Hampshire, what had a old like old original deflated NFL New England Patriots football. You see what I did? Yeah, yeah, was it did uh, yeah, yeah. Um, game used. And then this guy was with him, Gunner. Um, and I was like, "Where y'all going with that thing?" And he goes, "Oh, we're gonna go meet up with Bubba." I said, "Oh, I gotta go now." You know, like anytime there's a football at racetrack, you know, I gotta try to go get famous. So. Uh, we started flinging it. Next thing you know, we were checking it back in the stands like old, like old time's sake. I will say this much: I mean, you've got the the Jim Kelly training. Yeah, official. elbows up. Yes. Yep. Bubba has come a long way in his ability to throw a football over the catch fence. Yeah. Where did you guys do it the first time two Mi- years ago? Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. Didn't look that good. Daryl's been working on it. He has He's been, been hitting heard- the gym. It might be. Did I tell you what? My abs and core get so sore after I do that the next day. Like fun story, I wasn't born with abs. <laughs> you're you're not. I don't think I have them. Apparently not. They're under there somewhere. Never seen deep them. down. They're, they're buried. They're so buried. like every the next day, anytime I throw a football anymore, I'm like, oh god, like what am I so sore from? Well, from throwing a ball as hard as you possibly can to make sure people on live television think you can throw. A hey, football. you look good. I worked in an after school program with like little fifth graders, and like every day they wanted me to throw the football, and it wasn't like little dink and dunk routes. It was like hail mary every pass. <laughs> yeah. I'd go home and like ice my shoulder Chuck down like I was an actual quarterback. Yeah, was quarterback and defense. Well, I, I did wonder when they showed you guys on the broadcast. It was like, 
Okay, so there's Bubba, there's Corey. Yeah, that's that's what's going to happen. Who is this guy that's coming over the wall? Like, it, it threw me off at first because, like, who are they letting out onto the track yeah. right now? It threw me off. Yeah, it was that guy. Yeah. Dude, he had a monster arm. Yeah. Launched that thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, the dude that caught the ball he threw on yeah. broadcast fell back <laughs> into the bleacher handrails and, like, I don't know, it just looked like it hurt. Was that the one that the guy, like, wasn't going to throw it back? Yeah. Was there somebody that the f- wouldn't? The first one. Yeah. He caught it, and he was like, cool, I got a souvenir. <laughs> and I was like, no, <laughs> like, throw it back, guy. But it's cool that the fans uh, – they, they get super pumped up, man. And it's cool for us, too, because that's yeah. the first time since, you know, in the last 16 months we've been able to do anything that really incorporates uh, the fans like that. So, you know, like I said, never a great day when that's the highlight of your day. But, you know what, a highlight's a highlight. And uh, speaking of, there were plenty of highlights, maybe not in the old seven camp, but overall it seemed like the fans and the media members were raving about this race. I haven't went back and watched it, but – it got a, I don't know, 85% in the old Jeff Gluck. Was it a good race poll? Why is that, gentlemen? Passing, passing, passing. And passes that meant something, right? So, you know, the battle with the two and the 12, you know, just a dogfight between teammates. And Almarola comes up in there, sticks his nose in. And and a part of the reason why I think it was, it was so hyped up in my mind is because as they're showing it, right, broadcast is talking, but they're also playing – Bugger Rabbit's radio communication to Almirola, basically telling him to race Brad hard, race him how he races you, get in there, use your nose, hit the back bumper, like hyping it up. And everybody's like, hey, ain't no way this shit's going to happen, right? Sure enough, he gets in there, races him hard, sticks on his door, and just... Did he give him the bumper? Uh, I don't think he ever got an opportunity to touch him, but I mean, he was he, Brad knew he was there. You know what I loved? Bad Brad, bad Brad. Bad Brad Keselowski. I don't know what timing of this announcement is going to be, but obviously he knows he's going elsewhere after this yeah. big announcement last week that we'll get to here shortly in the show. Giving a bumper to his teammate. Him yeah. and Ryan Blaney running all over each other. You love to see it, Chuck. Well, I mean, was that – like, it didn't even look like it was – No, it's racing. Yeah. Like, that looked like good racing that you would want to have between really anybody. Mm-hmm. Obviously, never raced a race car in that, that situation, but part of me thinks that that would be kind of fun. Hell, 77 yeah. like that sometimes. What? So, I-77? I, I yeah. yeah. Rush hour? Yep. You'd wish you could get up there and bump, bump somebody. Like, Al you Roll might get a little frustrated, right? Like, you might get a little frustrated in time, but it, it, when you look back on it, you're like, oh, no, that was, that was, that was fun, man. Good yeah. Afternoon. You want to know yeah. what my, my guy, and I've told this to Blaney, too. Like, dude, he's too nice behind the wheel of a car. Who? Blaney. He won't rough Brad or Joey up near as much as they will use him up, and mainly at Martinsville. That's fair. I did see Harvick uh, on the broadcast kind of gave Blaney a little shove there after when Kez and Blaney were going at it. They pretty much used their stuff up. Well, that's a that didn't happen all year. I hadn't seen Harvick on the broadcast <laughs> no. all year. No, the fact that he was sniffing the top five, he had to feel good about that. Yeah, Harvick was getting up there and getting into Blaney. It's like they're mixing it up. They're doing things. It was just a lot. There was a lot of contact made on the track. But not like substantial contact. Yeah, it was good racing. Yeah, yeah there's some fender rubs. Or like you know, there wasn't like tires going down, guys parking each other, except for when poor Quinn Huffman's like giving Ryan like, "Hey man, t- t- give you the bottom," and next thing you know, Ryan buries <laughs> his ass in the fence. Like <laughs> now, Whoops. Th- let me not take sides here whatsoever. I will say probably what happened there is 
Ryan got so there's real bad bumps getting into three because where the where they take the wall out for the uh, in, they kind of have a roll there they have SCCA cars and stuff that braking zone into three is really choppy so it's easy to lock your left front tire up he uh, the double zero might not have taken as wide of an entry as Ryan expected and he got in there and just got in his left rear so I don't it certainly wasn't on purpose but it looked it looked like he just flat out parked his ass. I love watching – like, that's what I love about NASCAR. And, like, the F1 race this weekend, there was a little bit of controversy over contact that sent uh, Max Verstappen yeah. spinning into the fence. But it's it's one of those things. Like, that's what makes NASCAR awesome is that you can have that contact, and it doesn't end your day. Mm-hmm. And it lights that fire under you sometimes. You go back and go and go go get somebody back. Maybe. Really good speaking of, cars to put fenders on. Speaking of light of fire, there was one guy who had quite the fire lit. You know, let's talk about it, shall okay. we? Lap six, we all saw what happened. The rain did not dampen that fire. The rain probably might have been gasoline rain because it f- fueled the old rowdy fire. He's out there laying some heater laps down about half a second faster than the field when you go back and look at it on the old telemetry. And I don't know how to fr- phrase this up, but when there is rain, trickling up my windshield at 145 miles an hour, I'm not just going to drive to the same point of entry that I had been when it's dry. You know, Why is that, you know, Mr. I, Physics Professor? Granted, I don't have 9,000 NASCAR trophies. I don't have one NASCAR trophy. You know, I just talk about it. Um, I don't know. Maybe he was the first one to get there, right? So it was raining a little bit harder. Somebody asked me earlier, one to ten, how dumb of a decision was it for NASCAR to start the race? I said, one being the smartest, it was a one because it was dry. There was a couple weepers in the bottom one and two, but the track was dry the whole time. It started misting under pace laps, and then, you know, the vortex theory in this particular instance didn't work. 99% of the time it works every time, right? Isn't that how it works, Chuck? Maybe 66% 66% of the time. of the time it works every time. It does, the vortex theory. But it did not happen to work. I don't know if it works in the Northeast because the humidity is not quite as heavy. But, you know, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. But the vortex theory did not work here. So, basically, what you're saying water's wet. Water's wet, you know. and the, Slick the, tires the, don't do well on wet. Well, they um, work like they should if they're slick. They were slick. They were slippy. You know what they could have used? Hashtags. Sprinkle tires. Sprinkle, sprinkle tires. tires. If they'd have brought them sprinkle tires out, we'd have been just fine. But the 18 goes in there. Obviously, it's wet. Backs are in the fence. The 19, shortly there behind them, backs it in the fence too. So that takes out two winning capable cars right off the bat. And Kyle Busch was heated son. Melted his Skittles. Melted his M&Ms and short-circuited his internet, interstate battery because mm-hmm. he went – and he was trying to knock the bumper back bumper off the pace car. Fairly entertaining. Gonna admit, I got a little chuckle out of it. Um, I don't think Kip Childress was behind the wheel of that pace car was chuckling no, <laughs> as it, much. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd have been pretty irritated too. Some Camry on Camry action though. Yeah, Toyota was loving it. Toy, yeah, were they? No, no, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But, but you see, like Kip, bad was, press is good press. Kip was taking pictures, you know. During one of the, the the breaks, like going to break or whatever, they're like, yeah, there's Kip Childers taking pictures of the bump of the pace car, probably sending it up to the tower. He's like an insurance broker, yeah. like like all state. Um, I don't know what's going to come about that. I'm sure NASCAR did uh, did not take too kindly to that, but you know, I feel like 
Well, then I didn't hear O'Donnell's interview on the broadcast. I'm sure he somewhat owned it because he probably said we should have threw a caution a little earlier. But, you know, um, it, it is what it is. And it's unfortunate that it took Kyle Busch and Martin Truex out of the event, essentially. It did, I mean, Truex finished. but I will say the, 19th, the 19's repair, I don't think you could have fixed the car any better. Bro, that thing was destroyed, I and mean, he was still strolling. Yeah. I did think, yeah, having Steve-O on the broadcast was, like, that was one of the first times that I feel like I've seen that during a race in a broadcast, like NASCAR getting ahead of, normally it's after the race, we go to the hauler, we get the sound with the NASCAR official, and, you know, then that gets out on NASCAR.com, all the different social channels and all that stuff. Um, But having him in the booth during the race explaining that, like, I think was good on NASCAR. Like, that's a good way to get in front of the story. It's so easy to Monday morning quarterback it, right? It's like, they should have done this. Well, they should have done this. Well, hey, guys, like, that is a that is a decision within a 30-second window of of being the right call or the wrong call. And we did what we've always done. You you run it out, generally speaking, and you hate that, you know, like, it's it's you could – draw some comparisons to the old all-star race where Jeff Gordon, they let him get a backup car out, but that's an exhibition race. Mm-hmm. You also throw in the fact there was no backup cars there. You know, like that's a one day show. Nobody, you're not allowed to bring a backup car. So that's an instance like, sorry about your bad luck. We might've dropped the ball there on throwing the caution 15 seconds too late. You know, who, who's to say, so you're not the ones making the call. That's a tough call to make on when to put it out or whenever, but I do know, and I'm sure that it, they weren't, if everybody made it through one and two, they were going to put the yellow out shortly thereafter because uh, the rain was coming and it was just coming even harder. But bad spot the NASCAR was in, and, you know, it was unfortunate for the 18 and the 19. But, you know, there was a guy who will be joining us here later in the show, Eric Amarola, who was the fortunate one. Sometimes you're the bug, sometimes you're the windshield, and Eric Amarola was the windshield this weekend. But it, it wasn't like a, uh, you know, not to discredit, uh, Joe Logano's first win, but like you know, Joey was a you know, however twenty third, twenty fifth place guy, stayed out and worked some pit strategy to get him positioned when the rain came for his first career win. Now he's won a ton since then. But Eric Amarola was up there all day. It wasn't like they he just did some oddball strategy. He drove his way up there and, and look won that race. You think about the way he won his first race with rain in Daytona, driving the forty three, and then you know wins a second race at, at Talladega, which he earned the second one, no doubt, but. To go to New Hampshire, and I mean that's completely different ball game. How he won that race versus how he won the first two, like he flat out earned it. He earned it. Yeah, that was cool to see because uh, we talked about it here weekly on the podcast how Stuart Haas is behind. I feel like um, you know they've been they've kind of turned it around over the last four or five weeks. We saw the ten on the pole for the, for Nashville, uh, and we've seen the five, the four, maybe not so much in the five fifty package, but they are starting to. To, to inch closer because they were, I mean, in Atlanta, we outran the 10. We outran the 41. We outran the pretty much the 14 all day. So, like, they've hit on something with the 750 package to get some of that downforce back they were lacking. When did you think that it was going to be Eric Amarola that was going to be the first one in that SHR camp to get that win? I think when anybody at, who look said at, yes is lying to you. Why yeah. would you not – Bank on. You I think if you look season. at the if you look at the numbers and not the name associated with it, since Nashville, I think you would make right. that determination. But if you associate the name with it, and this is not a knock on Eric, I mean, you got a dude that won nine times last year. 
Mm-hmm. You know, surely he's going to win before the guy who didn't win last year. But Eric has admitted it as much that earlier in the season, you know, like they wreck at Daytona in, in the 500 and then it was just bad luck, bad luck, bad luck. And like he you know, kind of got down on himself. But for sure, credit to that team, credit to Bugga, credit to everybody over there. They dug deep and they found a way to get it that car into victory lane at a track that was it, it's not only is it awesome to see that for that team. But what it does for the playoff picture, I mean, that alone, like, I'm all for it. <laughs> like, well, I want to see those guys deep in the field in these next, what, four races mm-hmm. come and win those to shuffle everything up. How about this outrageous hypothetical, Merriman? And I know you brought it up of one of your Blue Mountain takes, but it's not far-fetched. It ain't that outrageous. I know what you're going to say. Let's say that somebody like a Chase Briscoe. Wins at Indy, Indy Road Course. Indy Road Course. It. He won last year the Xfinity race. Let's Either. just hypothetically, the 14 car takes the Cinderella story, right? We go to Watkins Glen. To Benedetto strategy, always fast. That's a guy. Reddick's quick. Reddick's a good road course racer. Was on the pole for Coda. Let's just say Reddick qualifies his way in, and then Hail Mary shot the old seven built bar Camaro wins at Daytona on a whim. Yes, sir. The potential regular season champion could be out of the playoffs. Could be. That would be wild. It would be wild, but it's I mean, not going to happen. Uh, it could. I think, look, I think the, the odds of Harvick missing are going to be a lot greater than Denny. Yeah. Some drama. That's a headline. There's some drama right now over at RCR because now those guys, one's up, one's Dude. in, and one's out. Dude. And you're five point. Like I five thought points. for sure Austin Dillon's race car would have been at least – three times wider than he made. I mean, he didn't make it easy on Eric, but good Lord. I mean. What happened? So, when they, they came over the radio like 10 to go, one of the cars that were on the tail end of the lead lap was Eric Almirola. Well, it was was Austin Dillon. And, you know, Eric had to work on him for a couple laps, couple laps, couple laps. But, dude, I don't know. I'd have done something. I'd have been a little bit on the brake pedal, maybe poked a hole in the nose of the race car, let Christopher Bell catch him. and, and Because knowing he's already into the playoffs. Knowing knowing that Bell is already in the playoffs, and Austin, it bumps Austin mm-hmm. out if Eric wins. So, mm-hmm. I mean, imagine being in Austin's seat and just seeing, like, granted, season the regular season's not over, but just seeing – Seeing the past twenty some weeks just you went drive from, away. You went from being a hundred points give or take to the good. Now you're on the outside looking in. Hmm. Well, and 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 with that, with 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 Bell, right? Say the race had started twenty minutes earlier, mm-hmm. restarted twenty minutes earlier. I think Bell would have got, got him. You got those eight laps because that's all it was. Well, right? hey, like Larry Mack said, it's one thing to catch him; it's another thing to pass him. Yeah, it, but I mean, they, it that's looks like when, they can pass him. That's what you use the old chrome horn for, boys. There you go. Yeah. I mean. You know what? No better place to use that than New Hampshire. The old one, two, three, and mm-hmm. then up out of up into the sealer and yep. and go on with it. Bye. <laughs> go on with your bad self. Now talking about going on with your bad self, we had some big news in the headlines this week. We had some new guys coming in, some little bit of turnover in the team Penske camp, including that Wood Brothers twenty one car. With we all know that Brad Kozlowski going to Roush. They're announcing it Tuesday. I don't know when this is going to release, but it'll be right around that time. It'll be to after yes, it releases. To yesterday. <laughs> so, um, that's been the worst kept secret for the last three months in the sport. But, hey, rocking and rolling. Now, I believe I've been saying I don't think I've said it in the podcast, but all the partners that have been on the Austin Cindric's 22 car are already on the two. So, it's a seamless transition to plug Austin in the two. And 
The wild card was Harrison Burton. Now you can start putting the pieces together. Dex Imaging, who's been a sponsor of Harrison's for the last couple of years, all the way back to super late mile days, is a po- partner over at Team Penske on the 12 car. So now they could take that marketing budget that was over at Gibbs, just go ahead and throw it all at Team Penske camp, and all Harry's driving the old 21 car. Um, you know, Matt made some headlines this week. Obviously, he's the odd man out over there at Team Penske and made a made a video and, um, you know, probably said some questionable things that maybe he'll look back on one day and regret saying. But what did you guys take is the, at that Team Penske news this week? Uh, I mean, we, we knew – at the end of last year, before Brad was going anywhere, right, that they said that De Benedetto was on a one-year deal. Yeah. So I just always assumed that that would hold because at some point you have to close the deal, right? You you have to be in a position to win a race. All right, that's one step. The next step is to win the race. I feel like Matt has been in a very good opportunity since the last – so he was out. Austin Cindric was going on the 21 last year. Yeah. Right? He was the Xfinity Series champ. Matt had three or four good runs, ran maybe second at Vegas, like like a, a big, fast push at the end of the year. The fans rallied around him, almost forced Penske's hand to keep him in the car, in which they did. They gave him, to your point, a 10-month heads up. Like, hey, man, you've got a one-year deal. We're going to put you back in the car. You've earned it. Um, and we're going to feel this thing out for another year. But you, Austin's coming in and driving this t- car next year. You have 10 months of a tryout with Penske cars to go earn your seat somewhere else. I feel like that's a pretty good deal. You know all your chips have to, have to be in. And if you run well enough and if you handle yourself well enough, right, and, and market yourself, odds are you can get a pretty good seat somewhere else. So fast forward 10 months and – you make a video saying you got the shit end of the deal. I don't think you got the shit end of the deal. That's what that's my opinion. Well, and you know, something to think about too is next year going to the next gen car. You know, the sports getting younger. I'm not saying that Benedetto's old, but I mean, I look at Harrison Burton in the Wood Brothers and and just the way that Penske's. I don't think Rogers going to go to four cars for Team Penske anytime soon. So. This Harrison Burton deal with the Wood Brothers seems like it could possibly be a little bit longer term than what they've been used to, rotating yeah. guys in and out between Blaney, Menard, and, and De Benedetto. I mean, your average for a Wood Brothers ride in the past couple of years has been two two full two full time seasons because what Blaney came back full time with them what was that seven fifteen or sixteen years I think ago, I sixteen in sixteen he came back full time two years full time Paul Menard two years full time Matt De Benedetto two years full time yeah that's about average for yep. that team. So I mean Joey I don't, look, we can say all we want to. Things change, but I don't think Joey's going anywhere from Penske. I don't think Blaney's going anywhere from Penske or no. Cindric's going anywhere from Penske in two years. So I mean that the Burton move seems like to me that's a that's a long term learn with this kid, learn a new car, let's go win some races and Yeah, and there's always gonna be the, the crowd there saying he hasn't deserved it and he hasn't done this or that. Who hadn't? Well, first I'm just off, saying, does anybody deserve saying. anything? No, I, no, I, I, there I are was, people. Right, just clarifying, Harrison. like Harrison. Harrison. Yeah. Right, like, that, that's what you're – does anybody deserve anything? No. No, they don't. You you know – You play the deck of cards you are, you yep. are given. You work for an opportunity and you get an opportunity. Yeah. And you take it. So For sure. 
if you have the opportunity and you have the means and you have the partners to go to Sunday, especially, in my opinion, the most iconic car in the garage with that Woodbuller 21, you take it, dude. Like, don't hate on Harrison Burton. And he's paid his duties and won some Xfinity races, right? Like, he is marketed himself in a way that Dex believes in him. They want they want to give him millions of dollars a year to be an ambassador. So, like, good luck to Harrison Burton. In the wood, and look, and the Wood Brothers have been in the sport longer than anybody else as a as a team. They've worked their way up. They were part time. They ended up buying a charter, worked their way up. Like mm-hmm. they deserve a chance to do what they want to do as well. And you know they were with Roush. They worked their way up. They've upgraded to Penske equipment. No offense to Roush, but they've got good stuff. That win one hundred should be in the bank by now. Should be in the bank by now. Yes, it should. Now, uh. Matt still has 14 chances to uh, to punch that 100-win ticket. Real good and at Bristol. He ran good at Bristol. And it, it, he's, like you said, he is looking for a ride for next year. So the best way to go uh, build that resume to say, hey, put me in your race car. Is put a little notch in the old W column. And he's got the opportunity to. You know, it's not like this. It's not even a 23XI Gibbs relationship where they're in a different shop. They get parts, pieces, like kind of push their way down the street. It's built in the same shop, guys. Like, it is the 2, the 22, the two, 12, the 21 on all the plates next to each other. Like, it is in the same shop. So, you know, you can say what you want to about personnel, this and that. It's a Penske car through and through. So, pitted by Penske pit crew members. Pit, pitted by Penske pit crew members. So say that I, 10 I, times fast. <laughs> you know, I, I hope Matt – Land somewhere on his feet. Problem is, the old musical chairs are getting taken up, and the music's going to stop. And there's not very many good ones available at the moment. Well, that's a thing. I think that's a thing you hit on. There's, there's going to be nothing of the quality of what he's used to driving out there. Granted, next gen's supposed to equalize, but power players will be power players for sure. Don't matter what you do. That's right. Yeah, I mean, the four car teams are always going to have a little bit better people, more advantages or opportunities to combine heads and ideas and strategies and, and setups to put a four-car Gibbs team, a four-car Hendrick team, a, you know, a two-car, a Roush team, Penske. So if you start adding up these four-car, you know, con- conglomerate teams, you're looking at 20th, 22nd, before you even start to get into, like, the privateers, if you will, right? So the Cup cup Series is hard, guys. That's why I say stacking pennies because running 23rd in Aspire Motorsports team where it's essentially – Two single car operations because we both have different cars. I've got Ganassi and the 7700. We can't compare notes. We're literally just on our own island getting after every week. So 23rd, even though it sucks sometimes, and I'd love to go up there and win, it's a far-fetched opportunity for us. How about Toyota, though, losing another young up-and-coming driver to uh, Ford? Yeah. And to note, a fully funded driver. Those are the ones you really hate to lose because that – in turn, you have to start putting some OEM more money back into, you know, the next guy, the Corey Himes, the uh, Jesse Loves, the guys in their feeder systems. Ty Gibbs is obviously in. Yeah, in but a, isn't isn't John Hunter moving up next year? He's got a couple deals, so, I mean. Yeah, you know, like there are only so many good quality seats yeah. uh, in the Toyota camp, but you don't want to lose essentially the guys who are bringing five million, six million bucks. Like you don't – like those guys can you can plug in you believe in their abilities behind the wheel, but you know it's it's part of the sport. There you have like, there it's it's as much it's as important what you do behind the wheel as what you can bring 
outside the wheel. It's not like one or the other. Yeah. You've got to be able to perform when you get the opportunity, but it gives you some leverage and it makes the doors open up if you have partners that believe in you want to give you a lot of money. I mean, that's like, that's what it is. Ty Gibbs got a, got a nice ride for next year, I think. For sure. You know, and you know, when, when your name's on the side of the building, I'd imagine you probably have some pretty good opportunities, but Ty has been a, a friend of the show. He's going to be in the kickball tournament, the old kickball classic out there uh, with us later in the year. So it'd be fun to, Talk to him a little bit more. And now Toyota also, to be fair, does have a lot of young talent to pull from. Well, you I mean, only got five places to go in yeah, the Cup Series. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's, Denny it's, Hamlin ain't <laughs> gone nowhere, you know, in, in well, I mean, he's getting up there. Truex is getting up there. Kyle Busch is 34, 35, and Christopher Bell. I mean, look, there. they got rid of Eric Jones. I mean, yeah. dude's, a, dude's a two-time winner in Cup Series. Well, you know, and then you're going to have two 23XI cars here. I mean, you know. It's not a secret, you know. Obviously, Kurt's, uh, you know, got got Monster Energy with him, and and where there's smoke, there's fire, guys. And the the smoke of you know in the distance of the moonshine still in the hills is that Denny's wheels are smoking, trying to find a second charter. Now, where he gets that charter from, who knows? But there are deals still being made behind the scenes in NASCAR, and the dominoes are not done falling, and the music of those musical chairs has not stopped. Gotta love silly season. It is very silly right now, and uh, that's why I'm lucky to have a job, and I'm going to keep grinding and stacking away. There is a great uh, feature from back in the 80s about uh, silly season, and the guy that's doing the – I forgot who the reporter was, but he reaches into his pocket, and he pulls out a handful of – I think it was nickels. I don't think it was pennies, but it was a handful of change. And he's like, all those rumors are worth about this much in this hand of of what pennies. So I thought it was a good – you know, stacking pennies reference. With it is. Thing. And Merriman gives me three pennies today, and that's about how many, how much these rumors and stuff's worth. That's what they that's Hey, what you hear that sound? Yeah. Now you hear that sound. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. But, hey, we've got somebody real big and important coming on the line here. He's the big winner for this past weekend. Mr. Erica Morola is coming up next. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Mr. Eric Amarola, thank you for joining Stacking Pennies. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, good to be on. Man, you you and I are buddies off the racetrack, uh, and I've gotten to know you fairly well over the last couple of years. And I'll be honest, I haven't been as excited for somebody to win 
than seeing you get like when I was going on the backstretch, looked at the tent on top of the pylon and saw you cross start finish line, man, I was pumped up for you. So I knew that it was, I knew that it was, uh, well-timed obviously leading into the playoffs, but how much burden is that off that, off yourself and that 10 team? Oh, it's huge, man. So huge. Uh, we, since I showed up to Stuart Haas racing, I've made the playoffs every year. Um, and it's kind of, expected right like we expect to be in the playoffs we expect to race for a championship they're a championship caliber organization so when you show up there those are the expectations and they're not even said like they're just unsaid expectations and so um you know this year it was very apparent that if we were going to make the playoffs we needed a you know walk off home run so to speak like we needed um, just, uh, perfectly executed weekend. And I knew that, you know, as the weeks kept winding down, I knew Loudon and Daytona were our last two shots. I mean, the reality of me going to Watkins Glen or the Indy road course and winning are slim to none. Uh, Michigan, uh, we ran really good there last year, but I feel like we're off on our 550 package right now. And then that left Daytona and, all along, I've just kind of had this comfort feeling about Loudon is going to be a really good opportunity. And then if not, I still felt good. Like I hadn't given up hope that we could go to Daytona and, and go get a win there. So um, it's certainly nice to not have to go to Daytona feeling like you have to win. Absolutely. I mean, the, the shot of that is, uh, you know, it's like a need in a haystack. Anything can happen there at Daytona. But for you guys, you mentioned it and touched on it. Stuart, it's no, it's no secret that Stuart Haas has been off uh, quite honestly across the board, whether that be the 750 package as well as the 550 package. And I talked to you on Sirius earlier this year where you were down, man. The confidence yeah. is down, and you talk about those expectations that, that you guys over at Stuart Haas have. How did you keep yourself positive as, as well as your team motivated with uh, your crew chief, Mike, over there? How do you do that to uh, keep your guys perked up to also give yourself another shot at the playoffs? Um, honestly, is, is, is just being about, for me, it was about being a leader and leading by example and showing up to the shop, showing up to the racetrack with a smile on my face and a positive attitude. Um, I knew that I needed to do that. If all the guys were going to feed off of me, I felt like, and if, if I showed up to the shop with a frown on my face and my head hung low, um, they were going to feed off of that. So, uh, I just kept, you know, smiling and being positive and for no other reason really than to just say like, Hey, the results on the racetrack are quite honestly sucking. Um, but that's not who we are. Like we're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna hang our hat on the results. We're not gonna, you know, claim our identity on, on just disappointment. We are, we're going to be happy. We're going to have fun. We're going to go to the racetrack every week and, and feel like the next week is the next opportunity um, and that was the attitude that, that all the guys, you know, have had, and they've, they've all rallied behind that and just continued to, to figure out how to bring whatever the best car to the racetrack is. That's what we were bringing. And some weeks it was a 20th place car and some weeks like Nashville, uh, where I feel like we finally turned it around on our 750 package, at least was a good weekend. We showed up and, and that was like a win for us. We qualified on the pole ran top five the entire race finished fourth and it was like all right like 
we can still do this. We know how to do this. Um, and, and let's keep it going. So yeah, it was, it was, uh, it's, it's been a tough year, but it's been good to see all the guys, um, stay pumped up and, and, and positive. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to maintain that confidence, especially when stuff, when you're accustomed to things going so well and they're not, uh, with a couple, you know, that big hit there at Darlington turn around the next weekend at Dover, you had a right front go down. That was a tough little stretch there for you, but yeah. to stay engaged, uh, and ultimately punch your ticket. Also, you guys seem to be turning around, as you mentioned, in Nashville, not just the 10 team, but all of Stuart Haas. It seems like they found a little bit of speed. So I don't think that people need to discredit the speed that's going to have when you guys lead into the playoffs with at least a 4 and a 10. Uh, how, how deep do you guys think you can make a little Cinderella run? Yeah, I think I think the the 550 package is still the question mark for us. That's where we're off and we're struggling. Um, when Kevin Harvick, you know, goes to Atlanta and can't run in the top five and, and challenge to win a race, uh, we're off. We got we got a problem, um, you know. And we go to some of these places that are really good racetracks for us on the 550 package that we've notoriously ran really well at. And we just have been off. We're just, we're just not where we need to be. The 750 package is where I feel like we've made the biggest gains. And, and I feel like we're, we're back on track. We're where we need to be, um, especially the last few that we've run. So um, when I look at the playoffs now, um, you know, knowing that, you know, we're, we're, we're in and we're going to go race in the playoffs, I look at the 750 racetracks and, and I look at Bristol. I look at that first round of Darlington, Bristol Richmond. And I think that is a great round for us. I, I feel like we'll be good at Darlington and we'll be good at, at Richmond and Bristol both. So, um, looking forward to that. And then past that, you know, we've, we've got to get, um, we've got to get our 550 package program turned around. We've got to figure out, um, how to make our cars drive good and, and have the speed, uh, to keep up with, with the Chevrolets and the Toyotas. And that's the $25 million question that we're all trying to figure out. Before we jumped on here, uh, we were talking about how you, you got to bed late and, and the and your your fire alarm starts ticking, buzzing at 4.30 in the morning. It's like you have this this ultimate high of emotion, you know, on Sunday night, and then, like, life just happens, and your kids come wake up, wake you up at 6.45. And it, yeah. it brings me back to a, to a story that, that you, I love hearing you tell it because it was from the 43 days. So go ahead and tell a story of, like, how you win a race and you're still taking out the trash. Yeah, actually it wasn't from the 43. It was uh, 2018 when I won at Talladega uh, at SHR. Um, you know, it was uh, such a, a big moment for me um, in my career, you know, to, to win for Stuart Haas racing, um, to win for Smithfield and, you know, just all that we had been through together, Smithfield and me, like leaving Petty's going to SHR uh, promising them the world, promising them that we'll be a playoff, you know, contender, a championship contender, and we'll win races and to run up front that year and do all things we did. But then, um, to, to come short, come up short on winning like five races that year, I, I, I honestly should have won and didn't. And then we go to Talladega and kind of a must win situation, uh, to transfer to the round of eight. Uh, into the playoffs and we do it. We, we go out and we win. Um, and, and such a, a big moment for me and, and my career and just everything. And, and just, I remember all the feelings of joy and excitement and all this stuff. 
and we get home. Uh, we're driving home. The kids are passed out in the back seat when we leave the airport. Janice is in the passenger seat. She passes out. I'm driving us home. We get home. I help, uh, I help Janice get the kids out. We get them upstairs and tucked into bed and I go take a shower. And as soon as I get out of the shower, I'm like, ah, it's Sunday night. The garbage has got to go out. So, you know, go in the kitchen, grab the garbage out of the, the garbage bin there and take it out to the trash can and then roll the trash can out to the road. And it's one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, pitch black outside. And I just remember this feeling of like, I just won the biggest race of my career. There was millions of people watching and like, just how cool is that? And yet life still happens, man. I'm sitting here rolling the trash can out to the road. Like it's just, it's just a Sunday night. Yeah. Any other Sunday night, you just happen to have a trophy in the living room afterwards. But, uh, I love, I love, uh, your perspective on just the sport in your career, super good family guy. And it's been great to get to know you, but before I let you go, we have, we play a little game of hey. would you rathers. So <laughs> lately I haven't been preparing these and nor have I prepared this one either. So we're just going to roll with it. Would you rather win 10 rain or weather impacted races or I don't know, Two races straight up, and I know this is. There's only one answer to this question. Still get the paycheck. You still get all the pictures from Victory Lane. So yeah, I'd take ten wins all day long. Thousand percent. All right, here's a good one. Now, now I just thought about it. Would you rather eat every piece of that lobster, excluding the uh, excluding the shell, or three packets of Smithfield bacon? Oh, actually, I got one better for you. So. I would, I'd rather I'd rather do all of the above and add in some uh, <laughs> smoked skillet mac and cheese. So we're actually getting ready to do that this week. Um, we are going to make mac and cheese in a skillet on our pit boss grill. We're going to put Smithville bacon in the mac and cheese with some lobster and uh, put that out on social media for people to see. I don't know if there's been any sort of more uh... – Packed sponsor plug than that little sentence that was right there. That was no, A1. but that is a legit thing that's going to happen. And it, and you asked the question, and that was the perfect answer to your question. So don't hate, don't hate, don't I'm, hate the guy that's got the sponsors that keep them well fed. Hey, thousand percent. And I, I'm glad I teed that up, and you knocked that out of the park. Last question: If you had to pick one race car and one racetrack to race at for the rest of your life, what do you go with? Oh man. Um, one race car, one racetrack to race for the rest of my life. I would probably pick – oh, man, that's hard. I'd probably pick a – I'd probably pick a super late model to race at – oh, IRP. Ooh. A super late model to race at IRP. Good choice. And there you have it. All the answers and all the sponsor plugs from Eric Amarillo this week, the big winner at the Magic Mile. Thanks for joining Stacking Pennies. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Man, it was cool to uh, talk to my buddy Eric at his big win. I knew that uh, meant a lot to him and that Stuart Haas team. But let's uh, let's check in over here with my other buddy, Mr. Ryan Flores, Pit Road Boats and Woe, see what he's up to. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. 
or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, guys, you know what time it is. It is time for Pit Road Boats and Woes with Pit Road Analyst and Front Tire Change for Brakazowski, Mr. Ryan Flores, en route to the armpit of America, New Jersey. How's it going? Watch your mouth. You got I'm, I'm here. I got a whole family in the old Yukon driving up 81 in the middle of Virginia. So I probably lose you at some point, but this is paradise without a passport. LaJoy is that what they say. So they, I think it's the Florida keys, but that's my term for the Jersey shore. What are you doing? I mean, up- it's no Canapolis, but it is no Canapolis. What are you doing up there during the break? I'm just going to hang out crew. Our youngest, he hasn't, um, He's not named crew because I'm on a pit crew, by the way. Yeah, right. I think that that's a common misconception. He's named after Crew Jones from the movie Rad. If you've never seen it, you need to go watch it. So let's just get that out of the way. I don't want anybody being like, weirdo named his kid crew because he's on a pit crew. So public service announcement. But uh, he's never met his grandparents or his aunts or uncles because he uh, he was a pandemic baby. So he's going to go meet them. Oh, that'd be good stuff. Well, the two was in contention this week, but they couldn't quite get the job done. How'd you guys, because last thing I looked, you guys were in the top three, and uh, how'd you guys get leapfrogged by the 10 and the and the 20 there? So yesterday was like type maybe one of my, like the type of day, like obviously you want everything to go perfect, but we started off terrible you know we lost two first stop and we had to dig ourselves out of it and there you only get a couple chances but um but we just got passed we came out you know we won the second stage we came out with the lead off of pit road 12 car drove up there and passed us we were kind of racing with the 12 and the four was hot in our tracks and then about 30 laps 40 laps in the run the dang 10 car just come up drove by all of us like we were chained to a tree and uh we actually short pitted them them guys a lap and got we leapfrogged the 12 and got past the 10 um, for two laps, and then he got back by us. Uh, and, and I think the term that um, that Brad used when the 10 got by us was, that's just crazy speed in that thing. So, uh, so hey, like they hit on something good for them. They did, and he's going to be joining us here later in the show so we can pick his brain about it. But uh, big news out of the Penske camp this week. How does that affect you and the two crew having all Austin Cindric driving that thing next year? So I feel like, um, you know, it, it doesn't really affect our team, especially this year. We're all professionals. We've all, um, 
you know, we've all done this. We, we look forward to, to trying to win a championship this year with, with Brad. And, you know, when we start doing Xfinity race again, we, you know, we've all won a championship in Austin before I've been, um, I've been kind of there through Austin's whole career. I've been at Penske. I changed tires for him in the Arca cars and I was there for his first, uh, ever Xfinity start and, and he's done a good job. He's earned that spot. Um, you know, I think he, he was in a tight spot coming in being, being kind of the boss's kid. Yeah. I think you always get, uh, get a little bit of, uh, questions around that, but man, that kid works hard. He's in the gym with us every, you know, every, every day we're in there three days a week. He's in there working out him, Scotty McLaughlin. And, uh, and he's put the work in guys like Jefferson Hodges and, and uh, Coleman Presley and Brian Wilson have helped him along the way to uh, to really you know become a who uh, who's done really well and excited for him to get a shot in the Cup Series. But that being said, my my contract is with Penske, so that doesn't necessarily mean that next year with all the changes, pit crew change and everything, that I'll be on the two car. You know, I'll be whatever team they put me on, and uh, and I'm not really aligned with a car number or driver, just just Penske in general. Heard that. A lot of stuff changing on pit road this year. What else we got going on? We're going two-week break, going into – we covered Watkins Glen stuff later on. But uh, what else am I missing from the pit road woes this weekend? I think I think the biggest – I think maybe the biggest woe this weekend, there was two, the 11 car there at the end. But I think the biggest thing that they were looking at, and it kind of hits close to home, was Darren Russell um, with the 22 car door there during the rain break uh, with what had happened with their throttle linkage. I think they showed that about a 1,000 times. And <laughs> – it made my man. I think he's been every meme this weekend from ring doorbell commercials to everything I've seen. Uh, but I, f- I felt bad for Darren, man. He was gutted yesterday. Uh, you could tell during the race and a piece of splitter material actually got down in there, not in the, like in the linkage where on the throttle body, um, where kind of some roller bearings and stuff, a piece of splitter material went down in that just like the perfect storm. I think he just reached in there and kind of look and see what it was. Um, obviously, he had to get two-lap penalty, which was pretty rough, pretty impressive that Logano can come back to that from that at a place where, you know, you only get four four pit stops, uh, four chances to get back, you know, on the lead lap by the time he did to drive back to fourth was pretty impressive. That certainly was probably the woe of the weekend for sure. Now, little bit of a gray area because technically you were working on it and all you did was reach in there and take a picture. So I think depending on what trailer you're sitting on uh, determines whether you think that was worthy of a penalty or not. But NASCAR felt like it was. But, Joey, uh, to your point, rebounded for another strong top five finish for Penske Racing. Team Penske. Yeah. it's uh, Man, it's looking looking crazy. The Fords were fast yesterday. Obviously, you didn't get to see who the Toyotas had, but Remember, that's the same package in, in five months, but we're going to be racing a championship uh, in. So it's interesting to see who is starting to become stronger this time of year. For sure. And th- also three 750 races to start the playoffs too. So um, it gives you a little peek. You, you got to be careful, man. Why? Because you keep throwing football like that and they're going to be recruiting you for a pit crew uh contracts of a driving contract here pretty soon out there lefty my my team was wondering when you throw the ball this was a this was a a a conversation we had yesterday on the way back to the airport 
they feel like you got a little bit of a hip shimmy and they wanted to put your face on the Dak Prescott kind of hip <laughs> mobility thing. They were kind of wondering why, why, why you do that. Uh, I don't know. It's, I guess it lo- loosens the hips up, man. You got to get that thing to, to whip it, rip with real, with real good. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was, that was some fun, Chuck. And I don't even know how to pronounce that guy's last name, Gunner something. He was the punt returner for the Patriots. So it was cool to sling a 60-yard poster out on the money to him down the French Jets of New Hampshire Motor Speedway. And that was not a woe. That was that was quite nice. Before he leaves, I named my kid Microphone, but it's not because I'm a reporter. So, <laughs> Micro. What? What'd you say? You named your kid what? Microphone, but it's not because I'm a reporter. <laughs> what a dick! <laughs> Absolute dick. He spelled it with an F instead of a PH. <laughs> yeah. Well, my wife wouldn't let me spell crew right. She spelled it. CRU is how it's supposed to be. She made me spell it C R E W. So I look like a real nerd. <laughs> well, we all we already already knew that, and uh, well, hey, enjoy the weekend, enjoy the trip up there in New Jersey. Do a little gym tan laundry while you're up there, and uh, you know, have some fun. Thanks for joining us, Pit Rub Boats and Well. Cabs are here. <laughs> See, See, <ya. laughs> See T-shirt time. <laughs> See ya. All right, guys, it is time for the eNASCAR segment, refreshed by Coca-Cola. Merriman, this is your level of expertise. Yeah, buddy. What do we got going on in the old eNASCAR realm today? Jimmy freaking Mullis is on, winner at New Hampshire, king of New Hampshire. Is it the, the king? Yeah. He's, how, many, how many wins do you have at New Hampshire, Jimmy? Three? I got three of them now. In, in a row. row. In a row. Whoa, dude. Row. He's like the Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy's got a set up there. He's got his iRacing rig on in his bedroom. Made, even made the bed for us. He churched up the background for us. Thanks for joining us here on Stacking Pennies. Uh, you're the, as Merriman says, the king of New Hampshire. Now, I, I got a serious question. Do they, like, do they give you a gift card for Red Lobster so you can go get your own lobster? Or do they send you, like, an e-lobster? Or do you, is there just no trophy if you want to, like, a, a Coca-Cola Series race? No, nah, there's nothing. Uh, unfortunately, I feel like I should get something one in three of them in a row now, you know. But, no kidding. Uh, no, nah, I've never gotten anything from New Hampshire. I've gotten trophies from other tracks, though. So, um, you know, it is what it is. But uh, maybe maybe if I wanted to get in, in the future, they'll give me something. Well, I wouldn't imagine if you win four in a row, it's going to be any different than three in a row. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, not saying not. that you should. You obviously got the hot setup for there for New Hampshire, or you just got a good feel for the place. Now – does like I'm always so intrigued by like how many like how much time goes into any like where are you guys off this week for two weeks similar to the cup series schedule yeah yeah so how much time are you spending to prepare for Watkins Glen here in two weeks um I'll probably we've actually got three weeks before we go to Watkins Glen uh in two weeks we've got our all-star race so uh, I'll probably start messing with Watkins Glen here in about a week and a half or something just to kind of, you know, get started on it. Um, I definitely don't put in as much time as I used to just cause I've, I've been doing this for so long. It's kind of, you know, just natural to get back in gear of things, uh, for every track we go to. So, um, but, but I mean, it's probably, you know, 10 hours in total over the two week span, you know, that you try to put into a race just to make sure you got all your T's crossed and your eyes dotted and, um, you know, you got a shot to go win races. 
Jimmy, tell me a little bit about, you know, your perspective going into New Hampshire, knowing that you had back-to-back wins there, knowing, you know, damn good and well, you're probably going to win the race up there anyways, uh, and, and how it relates to, you know, the number of winners we've seen in this series and how that will relate to how many people, you know, or who makes the playoffs. Where were you before last Tuesday? Where are you now mentally heading into, you know, the all-star race in Watkins Glen? Um, I'd say uh, before it was more of just um, I knew New Hampshire was a race that I'd have a shot at winning. Um, there's never a guarantee. I didn't know where we were as far as speed goes going into that race. And um, honestly, I don't feel like we had the best car. It just kind of worked itself out where I was there at the end and, you know, had a chance to uh, grab the win. And um, it was one of those things where I've been in that situation before. So um, the pressure wasn't really there uh, like it would be at a different track. Um, and I'd say, you know, now after I do have that win, uh, you know, the pressure is still there. Um, obviously a little bit more laid back. Um, but you know, the same amount of effort and all that's going to go into these next two rounds before the playoffs start to, uh, try and make sure that I keep that spot secured. Um, cause like you said, there's 10 or 11 of us now that have won a race and there's only 10 spots for the playoffs. So, um, it'll be important to, you know, stay in that relegation line. And, um, you know, that's what those next two races are all about. What's changed in this series. I think we go back maybe five or six years and I think you're, I think I don't want to steer the conversation me to more. No, I'm talking to I, more talk. I want to talk about, this oh, this okay. rumor that I heard, Jimmy, that there may or may not have been a search and rescue team sent after your ass at the 2019 Daytona 500 <laughs> uh, in real life. This isn't like eating NASCAR. This is like real life search and rescue, not like Call of Duty. What happened? <laughs> and who called? Where were you? Whose tent were you in? Where? Like what happened? Um, I don't remember what the hotel name was, but I was staying across the street from the track. Uh, Richmond and well, Richmond and Sunoco had planned this whole trip out for us to go to the 500. And, um, you know, we were there and then Sunday night I got home from the race and I was dead beat tired, fell asleep at like, I don't know, seven thirty, eight o'clock. Didn't wake up the next morning until I don't know when, probably 10 o'clock in the morning, my parents were calling because they hadn't heard nothing. And uh, this was the first time I'd been on a trip away from home without my family. Um, And I was 18 at the time. So, you know, they're freaking out. And uh, they had sent somebody from the hotel to come check my room. And they claimed they went in there, but nobody ever came in there because I was awake when they came to quote unquote check it. And they called my parents back, said I wasn't in there. So everybody started freaking out. They're calling the people from Richmond and Sunoco. And it was just this whole thing. And um, yeah, definitely don't ever want to be in a situation like that again. Corey, you ever had your face on a milk carton in Daytona Beach? I, missing? No, I've had my face on a race car at Daytona Beach, though. I don't know which one's worse. Uh, but <laughs> what a story that is, you know. I feel like I've been missing, you know, sometimes at the ocean deck. I wish somebody would have came and got me, searched and rescued my ass from the basement of the ocean deck. But, hey, I'm glad you're okay, Jim. I'm glad nobody, nobody uh, snatched you up because then we wouldn't have a three-time New Hampshire winner on our hands. That's right. Hell of a story to tell. Yeah. Um, well, we're, I mean, we got two races of the playoffs, Jimmy. How do you, uh, you like your playoff hopes? What are you going to do to, uh, you know, tighten the old virtual belts and get you a championship? I mean, it's going to be, you know, the same thing as always, just making sure I'm prepared, uh, both from a standpoint of getting the car ready 
uh, setup wise. And then mentally, um, I feel really good about Watkins Glen. I've had a lot of success on the road courses over the last year. And, um, then Michigan, that's going to be a toss up. We call that the, uh, Daytona short these days with, you know, the 550 horsepower package and all the drafting that goes on. So, uh, that'll be a lottery. Um, so, I think uh, if I do get into the playoffs, though, um, I'm feeling really confident in my chances to go, you know, chase a championship. Uh, we were really close last year, and um, I think we'll, you know, have a shot at doing that once again this year. All right. Well, Jimmy, we appreciate you jumping on here. You can catch Jimmy racing uh, in a couple weeks at Nashville Super Speedway for the All-Star Race. That's at 9 p.m. Eastern time on July 27th. Uh, you can check that out on NASCAR's YouTube page or enascar.com slash live. Uh, so, yeah, a lot coming up. And then uh, then Watkins Glen back to the old points paying stuff. Yeah, two more to playoffs. You can watch the true professionals get after it online, 9 o'clock Eastern, Tuesday. All right, guys, time for a little bit of heads or tails. I was going to go the Olympic route. Here. It depends oh, which man, season it is. Coming up. You a winter or summer Olympics yes. fan? I'm, I'm both, man. I, I appreciate the Olympics just to see that. You're bi-Olympian. I'm a bi-Olympian. Um, just to see the athletes. And like They have invested, and they're like the peak performance at their particular event like that's what i lo- love to see now i love to see like those tweets and stuff where somebody's like could you please just throw in like somebody in the crowd like grab them and, and actually just do go do up they did that in the winter olympics it's curling <laughs> i it's mean honestly though like curling though does take some skill like i i'd fall flat on my face but they do look like they're in a beer i league. don't think balance is the key to curling though no i don't I'd rather. I mean, we're talking about Summer Olympics. Yeah, now. We, yeah. Are, we are. I mean, you think me running against Usain Bolt would be fun? Fun to oh watch? Oh my like, God! I wonder how much of a head start you. How hey, much of a head start would you need to beat? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I just know that a if they, ninety-eight meter head start. If they had that, NBC could do like in-race commercial breaks, <laughs> like they do in NASCAR. And we'll be right back for the conclusion of this. You know, hundred meter dash, three-yard dash. <laughs> Have you seen uh, the beds that they've got in the Olympic Village for the athletes? No. They're, uh, you know, promoting. Are they water beds? They're not water social beds. Distancing. They are made of cardboard. Yes, social distancing. They are made of cardboard and will only support the weight of one person. Oh, so they don't want to f***ing around. We've got to mark that or mark that <laughs> one as a, a, put a, put a bleep on that. Um, but yeah, no, you know, they, they don't want them to. It will collapse well, if, uh, hold on. <laughs> if hold more on. than one person. So the power lifters is my question. Not yeah, to get not to get too far down this rabbit one, hole. The, but how the girl that's the guy that's a girl, that's, which one are you talking about? I'm just saying like power lifters in general. <laughs> like they, they weigh a lot. Yes. And how much like how much weight can yeah, they do they have a bodybuilder's? Are these made of like Domino's pizza boxes or something? <laughs> but my then, thing is like how did how did people like get get here for millions of years like no we didn't have mattresses back then so people will find a way Bob <laughs> will find a way where, chuck where there's a will there's a way where there's a janitor's yeah. closet there's a way this is definitely what's going to get the second penny <laughs> shut down like yeah. i was wondering what topic was going to be, this be, this be but that's, that's a serious thing cardboard yeah. beds that will collapse yeah. what's the weight limit google I the weight limit it. real quick let me see if i can sleep on one of these things odds are no no might as well just go ahead and put it on the floor. You get a two box, there's a one box, a three box deal, <laughs> medium box deal. <laughs> uh, the beds in question can actually support up to 441 pounds. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> now, you can't have your dog jump on there with you either, though. Yeah. <sighs> um, 
All right. Hey, heads or tails. We announced uh, via the Charlotte Observer, wrote an article, the old kickball classic this weekend. Or it's going to be in October, the week of the Roval, Merriman. I'm super excited. It's been a project I've been working on. Selling some teams. Uh, we're going to have 16 teams. Um, Logano is going to be in. Kyle Bush, Blaney. There's, I don't know, 12 or 15 guys committed. Ty Gibbs, like I mentioned earlier. It's going to be a fun. You need a DH? Deal. Just a big heavy hitter. I was going to say Denny Hamlin. Dude. True story. This is like youth group back in the day. Broke a girl's wrist. Kicked a kickball so hard. Hit her. Snapped her wrist. At church. <laughs> Damn near killed her. Damn near killed her. Lord, I apologize. Uh, but that's a true story. So if you need a boot. All right. So heads or tails. Uh, whose team goes deeper in the kickball tournament? Mine or Kyle Bush's? Well, who's going to be on Kyle Bush's team? I, I don't. I don't know. I would imagine how I guess like pit crew. crew. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of D one talent. Mine's going to be stacked. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna go mine. <laughs> I mean, I think you're probably more athletic generally. So if we're driver v driver, you all day long. Yeah. That's right. So more details on that coming soon. Heads or tails? Kickball should be an Olympic sport. What if What yes, if Kyle Bush broke his percent. arm playing kickball? That'd be a, that'd be a good story. I mean, you know, we know that this guy does with broken bones. He might go on a playoff run and win the championship because yeah. that was his, uh, you know, his first career championship. Missed how many races did he miss? Eleven. All right. So if auto racing was in the Olympics, okay, what discipline would be the best suited for the Olympics this year? Tokyo Drift. <laughs> That's such a dad joke. <laughs> now my brain just goes right to the Jamaican bobsled team. It's like, what kind of car would uh, it's like there would be many questions. So would it be on a street course in Tokyo? Um, it would, they would have to figure out some sort of vehicle or he the races. parameters to build a vehicle. It has to NASCAR be. has raced in Japan yes. several times. It should have to be like a car from your country you represent. Like the Russians show up in a Yugo. <laughs> So you're saying like a full like touring car, like it is a stock stock, like you bring your country's best car, like a run what you brung, the yeah. fastest yeah. thing you. Oh yeah. Or I mean, I mean to keep it in the spirit of NASCAR, I think it should have to be like a, a sedan or a coupe. Like you don't want. I mean, Italy's going to show yeah, up with a Lambo or a Ferrari, and that just ain't fair. You want a four door car, basically, is what you're saying. Sure. That you got to yeah. put a roll cage in. Ferrari will go out there and make a four-door. Like, for the Olympics, for yeah. sure. It would be cool to see what, like, you know, you'd have a B-Main with, yeah. like, Ethiopia and, like, you know, like, Canada uh, and see who can win. I mean, I don't – that'd be wild. Who – okay, next level of this. Of all the countries that would present a car to race in the auto Olympics, who would be the driver that we would pick from the United States? Uh, like currently or like no no right now right now in oh, NASCAR no, uh, no 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 in in general any driver I, I mean look Kyle Larson's winning everything he gets in I I mean Larson's dirt, up there dirt asphalt NASCAR Larson, road courses Larson would be would have to be at the top of the list and then I think if you're gonna gonna pluck one from IndyCar I think Newgarden he just looks like Captain America so that would probably like yeah if you think about a dude that's going to be in like a red white and blue fire suit that's shield him. on it it's probably like if you're going aesthetics Newgarden I've thought about that way too much <laughs> yeah uh, yeah that's that's a good I like that idea yeah yeah no who who's who's our biggest uh, competitor because I feel like the United States is going to have like a hands down like we're 
I mean, I think if you took it to trials, I feel like Larson. Like if you if you went through it, like you have to qualify this, that, and the other. Larson would. I don't progress. know, man. I, I think the best driver in the world right now is Max Verstappen. You and think so? I, yeah. You don't think it's uh, Lewis Hamilton? No, I think that like right now Max is just the the quickest, and it's like you've seen him develop and get like just it's something, and it's hard to explain how fine tuned Max Verstappen is right now. Like his his reflexes, his ability to get every morsel of speed that car and tire will give him. Um, you know, because I do still think that. Mercedes has a fast car in F1, but Max is getting every ounce of speed uh, out of that thing. So I think Max Verstappen is the best driver on the planet. They're right missing now. one thing, though. Damn right side mirror. <laughs> uh, that was a racing deal. I think that was Lewis's fault. I, I, I don't, I don't think it it warranted a penalty. Personally. I'm not a, I'm no. not a Lewis Hamilton like, fan. First off, so it's one of those things. Like it, it was probably Lewis's fault. But does it, does he deserve a 10 second penalty for that? He overcame it and won the race anyway. So did the ten second penalty penalty really matter? Um, imagine if we if imagine if NASCAR did that. That would Gosh, suck. I just don't like it. That would well, suck. This like the whole stewards thing. Like you, hey. get, it was my turn. Like not mm. my turn, but yeah, yeah. I had that the corner. Turn, the yeah, corner. Yeah. The corner. No, like know, that's get out of here. You, you, you hear that at a road yeah. course at a NASCAR race? You're gonna get jog on. Yeah, for sure. But those things are. Common, fine. Well, I was gonna say finely tuned racing machines that any little bit is gonna. Oh yeah, you can't bump in them things yeah. for sure. So like, there's there is a little bit of a need for it because you can't have guys smash into each other without a little bit of well, you know, uh, consequence too. Like wheel on wheel. I mean, they're, they'll shoot straight up in the air for sure. So let's not talk about something we don't know much about, which is F1 cars. This is the first time I watched a race in a long time. God, I love it. Could you I imagine love... F1 cars with fenders? I don't want. I don't want that. I want, I want, I like having NASCAR being that beat em up, bang yes. up thing. I like having F1 being this high speed, like. Yeah, wine and cheese. Yeah. And, and champagne flute of racing. Yep. And, and let's just give a quick shout out to Kyle Larson for winning the Kings Royal, the makeup race from last year. So he flipped in the heat race for the first one. So they were doing the 38th Kings Royal on Saturday afternoon. He got flipped down the backstretch wing, front axle, the whole deal. They rebuilt his whole car, and he starts the event, I don't know, eighth or something, and drove and won that damn. I have to imagine, race. like, driving a sprint car has got to be, like, straddling a bolt of lightning. <laughs> like, geez. Yeah. Yes. Like and them big ones? Mm. The 410s, you mean? Yes. <laughs> the them big them ones. Big ones. <laughs> yeah, give me one of them big ones. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. So, and, and I just want to keep pointing out that, you know, People, and, and I agree, um, that Tony Stewart was one of the best race car drivers ever. Kyle Larson, Tony Stewart never had the success back-to-back. He couldn't go to a sprint car race and win a World Outlaw race and against the best. Kudos to Rick Hendrick for letting him do it because Rick hadn't let his guys do this a lot. And this new sponsor deal and stuff to come out has Hendrick.com on, like, his dirt stuff, like mm-hmm. fire suit and all that. So it's it's getting support. Well, that's the sort of stuff that keeps keeps Kyle's flame going. You yeah. know, I think that he would not be the driver that he is if he didn't have the other side of that to keep his passion going. For sure. Also, shout out to his wife for doing the uh, shotgunning of a beer with the crown on. Yes. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> she is the queen. She is the queen. So, yes. Kudos to uh, Caitlin Sweet or Larson. Um 
And, uh, you know, I don't know. That's it. That's, that's it. it. That's, all that's all I got, it. bro. Yeah, yeah. That's all I got. Tank's on E. The tank is on E. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even tell you about the flight last night. So, we, that, did you hear about that? Nope. I did see that you locked your tires up again in front of the eventual race winner when you're coming through traffic, so that's two weeks in a row. Bro. <laughs> was it two weeks in a row? You did it in the cool down last week. <laughs> so, my we were losing brakes for like the last 70 laps, and I was lifting early, and I was getting like three big pumps because the pedal was going to the floor. Well, after that caution – or after the, the green flag sequence, um – following some faster guys um i might have just got lapped or was about to get lapped and it was one of them deals like you're a third car in line and the first two duck and next thing you know there's a lap car literally stopped getting into one i thought you're in the fence so did i um so i my brake pedal went to the floor and i was like ah and i got like three big pumps and like i was doing it for all i was worth and as soon as the brake pressure ramped up it just locked the tires you got a shout out from dale he's like hey Corey, out there doing a pretty good job holding on that race car bro so apparently whoever it was a blicky or somebody his a-frame was coming off or fell off or something and he was literally going 40 miles an hour and i saw him about three tenths of a second before impact and what do you mean like the the part that holds the front tires on yeah it was coming off how does that fall off well somebody didn't tighten it okay yeah so um, yeah, that was a that was a no shit moment for sure. Glad we didn't we didn't have a scratch on that thing, but you know she didn't she didn't handle very good. We'll get her figured out next week because we'll be at the beach. <laughs> and hope y'all have two good two weekends off. But we'll be back off weekend stacking pennies. We might be doing a little Sunday money reunion next week. Stay tuned. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can locate old Daryl Mott or Lauren Fox. Now she's got a couple kids, but I'd love to circle the wagons. Say, guys. I think Lauren Fox, uh, you know, she's in this building, so you know, she could be easy to locate. Yeah, we can drag her down here in the basement with us. But then uh, call Jimmy Mullis. He knows some people that can find Daryl Mott. Yeah, odds are. <laughs> Send out the search and rescue team. Let's just let's wrap it up. That's what we're doing right here. Okay. This is the wrap. <laughs> It's, it's like I'm done. Stack. I'm done. This this penny has been stacked. All you need to buy. Penny. Oh, we did do one little quick more thing. We did some Spire Olympics thing, and I stacked 77 pennies in a minute. So I'd love to see what you mere mortals can stack in a minute. We'll try 77? That. Yeah. We'll try For Spire. That. No, that was actually just coincidence. Fixes it. Yeah. I'd love to see how many pennies y'all can stack. Ten. Ten. <laughs>